0: This week, I want to continue to talk about the book of Revelation. Now, we found out last week many things about the book of Revelation. In fact, we've been reading it throughout this entire Easter season for six weeks. The church specifically asks us to read from this book during the Easter season. And we found out, or we began to find out why. Now, we know that the author is John. And John, as we found out last week, is towards the end of his life. And he receives these series of revelations from Jesus Christ. Now, we also found out last week that the book of Revelation is probably the most sought-after and most popular book in all of the Bible. But also, it's the strangest in all of the Bible. It's inspired Christians for centuries on end, even non-Christians, to understand the meaning and all the symbolism. And so, we recognized Many things about the book of Revelation. The first thing is Revelation itself. You know, the Greek word is apokalopsis, which means to unveil. And the Latin word is revelation, which means to reveal. So the book of Revelation essentially unveils or reveals the deepest truths about God, the kingdom of God, our world, but also about us, as well as our discipleship in Jesus Christ. And we also learn that Revelation has nothing to do with the end of the world. Instead, it has everything to do with, yes, the past, but also the present and the future of our faith. Now, notice how the second reading begins for this weekend. Then I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. The former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the seas were no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, God's dwelling place is with his human race. Now remember the account when Jesus dies on the cross, the curtain in the temple of the Holy of Holies is torn from top to bottom. The Holy of Holies was the place where the Jews believed that God exists, that where he was present amongst their midst. What does John see next? God seated on the throne, and around him, the elders. Now, it sounds like a liturgy. And so, what do the elders do? Well, the whole time they're in heaven, they praise and worship God. Now, realize what's going on here. John has a glimpse to heaven. He sees the doorway into heaven, and he sees a life of worship and praise to God in heaven. Now think for a second. When we gather for our liturgies, for our masses, it's not just us and our faith community that is coming together. No, not at all. When we gather for mass, we are joining ourselves with this heavenly liturgy that John now is witnessing before him. We join our minds and our hearts and our voices with all the saints and all the angels in heaven when we gather for Mass. In fact, every time we celebrate Mass, heaven and earth unite in a most powerful way. That's why our Eucharistic prayers acknowledge this uniting of heaven and earth. Listen to some of the Eucharistic prayers that we use during Mass. With thankful praise and the company with all the angels, we glorify the wonders of your power. Or, through him, the angels of heaven offer their prayer of adoration as they rejoice in your presence forever. May our voices be one with theirs in their triumphal hymn of praise. And so, we truly believe that at Mass, heaven and earth unite in the most powerful way. And why not? Since the presence of God is in our midst, where are all the angels going to be? Always in the presence of God, worshiping and praising Him. Well, when we celebrate Mass, essentially we are in the presence of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why at the very beginning of Mass, we address them both when we sign the cross. We sign ourselves in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We do so by praying to all three, but also we recognize All three are in our midst right now as we begin Mass. And we also recognize in our prayers all the angels are around us. Now, do we see them with the the naked eye? No. But instead, we know that they are there through faith. Notice the other thing, too, that we sing. We sing the holy, holy, right? And we sing holy, holy, holy. We sing holy three times because God, all three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are with us. And so we sing with the angels and all the saints. Our liturgy, you could say, echoes the liturgy of heaven, the liturgy that John now is seeing in the second reading from Revelation. The focus of our liturgy shouldn't always be about us, but instead it should be about us joining the saints and the angels in praise of God. Because that's what they're doing in heaven. Next, it says, The former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, and I saw the new city of Jerusalem coming down from heaven from God. Now, another way for us to look at this understanding of this passage from Revelation for this weekend is through the eyes of the first early Christians, how they saw the world passing away. After Jesus' resurrection, you know, the forces that were once governing our world, sickness, sin, death, those were the finality before Christ. Yet, that's no longer through Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection. Now the world is ordered to Jesus' resurrection. Listen how John describes it. I heard a voice from the throne saying, Behold, God's dwelling is with the human race. He will dwell within them, and they will be his people, and God himself will always be with them as their God. Yes, our dwelling will always be with God in heaven, and that's what we all long for, eternal life. But most importantly, God chooses to dwell with us here on earth. Even after Jesus' ascension back into heaven, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, continues to dwell with us, Each and every day of our life, until the end time. Next, John writes, He will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and there shall be no more death or mourning, wailing or pain, for the old order has passed away. The one who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Now, stop and think of all the tears that we have shed in our lifetime maybe in a hospital, maybe in a funeral home, will there be no more death? Every tear will be wiped away. See, this is how the story ends. God will not allow the dark powers of sin and death to have the final say over us. Instead, Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, has the final say over us. In this world, but more important, in the world to come. Heaven. The world we're all longing for. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, makes all things new, especially in this world, but also gives us the promise of the world to come. I love that quote from St. Irenaeus. He once said, We are resident aliens in this world. What he meant by this is our true citizenship doesn't belong in this world, but it belongs in heaven. The world we are all longing for. The world to come. And so, yes, we don't reside in here, in this world. Our permanent citizenship isn't of this world. That's why we're resident aliens when you stop and think about it. We belong to the world of heaven, where God wants us all to be for all of eternity. Well, what must we do? Well, we have to keep our eyes fixed on that transcendent goal, the goal of heaven. But we also have to go about the business in this world. Prayer, Mass, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, a lifestyle of stewardship, making ourselves always worthy of the great gift of salvation that God wants to give each and every one of us. One last thing. Turn to the first reading from Acts of the Apostles. Here, this teaches us a nice lesson to essentially dovetail on what we learned from Revelations from this weekend as well as from last weekend. That Christian joy is tempered by our challenges in life. Now, what's going on in that first reading? Well, essentially, Paul and Barnabas are on their way home from their first missionary journey, and they're revisiting all the churches in which they have previously founded And so, they send a nice message to all the people to persevere in their faith. Notice what Paul says. They strengthened the spirits of the disciples and exhorted them to persevere in faith, saying, it is necessary for us to undergo many hardships in order to enter the kingdom of God. Granted, we have many reasons to be grateful to God for all that he has given us in our life including life itself. But we also must recognize that there will be challenges in our life and challenges in living out our faith, especially in today's world. Now more than ever, we have to take the words of St. Paul to heart when he says, persevere in faith. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.